Welcome to Dr. Cindy Speaks. Regular musings and reflections on politics, current events, and life as a congressional candidate. Dr. Cindy Banyer is a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, our community. She's running for the people of Southwest Florida, trying to flip Florida 19 from red to blue. Listen as she speaks truth to power and gets real about being a mom and a candidate. I am a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, and our community. And I am happy to be here today with you on July 6th. 2020 at 2.04 p.m. We have a fantastic show here for you today. We're going to be speaking with a wonderfully courageous candidate here uh, for the Florida House, uh, Laura Novosad, and she's going to be telling us a little bit about herself and what compelled her to run. We are here um, in the continuing peak of the coronavirus outbreak here in Southwest Florida, well, in Florida overall. Um, But in Southwest Florida, we're taking a particularly hard hit. I know that last week, Dr. Antonucci of uh, Lee Health, he's the president and CEO of Lee Health, was really trying to warn everybody to continue social distancing and their proper hygiene habits and wearing a mask out in public because the rates at which uh, the infection rates were going higher, as well as the hospitalization rates, he was worried that our hospitals were going to be full by the end of July, uh, which is a very frightening thing to be hearing from the leader of the region's largest healthcare system. In addition to that, we also, um, I know from friends uh, in the area who are uh, doctors that they received an emergency text message from Lee Health asking that they, uh, if they had any ability to, to step in and provide nursing services in the ICU, if they'd be willing to do that starting that night, uh, which again is saying that we have not only a crisis of capacity, but a crisis of human capacity in the hospitals to serve us. So I really do hope that everybody is staying healthy and safe and really heeding the warnings of our uh, healthcare professionals to uh, wear a mask and stay socially distanced. But now I see that our guest is signing in, calling in Laura. Let's get her connected. Hello, Laura. Uh, Hello, Cindy. How are you you today? Yes, I can hear you very well. Awesome. That's great. Sometimes my microphone's a bit wonky on this system, depending on how many tabs I have open, but seems like things are working well today. That's a win for a moment. It's good to hear your voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I so appreciate you coming on the show today uh, to tell us a little bit about your yourself, your background, and the 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 race that you're running. How exciting that you are part of this amazing cohort of Democratic candidates across the state of Florida who decided to step up and stand up and say we are not going to hand another race uncontested to a Republican in this year. And I am so proud to know you and to hear what is going on and how you got involved in this. Um, And so, you know, let me just start with saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for stepping up and running. Well, thank you. Well, my, my thanks goes out to everybody. Uh, It goes out to you, Cindy, as well for inviting me onto your podcast today. Uh, Yes. uh, uh, I'm Laura Novosad and I am running for house district 80 which is Collier County Eastern and all of Hendry County. So uh, people are asking me why I decided to run. And uh, that's one of the main reasons uh, is because I just couldn't sit down and and watch what was happening any longer. I needed to stand up. And uh, so we are standing up collectively here in Florida with a Democrat in every single seat, except one uh, for both house and uh, Senate. Uh, state. Yeah, but that's racist. That's amazing. It's been 25 well, years, right? Since that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is amazing. It is amazing. And uh, so let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, I Absolutely. have lived in House District 80 for 22 years. We built a house in Golden Gate Estates back in 98, moved in in 2000. 
And uh, that's where my children were raised. They went to uh, public schools in Collier County. And, uh, and then uh, we moved into Hendry about seven years ago because my husband's actually in farming. And uh, that's where he was commuting to. So uh, I grew up here in Florida. I came from a family of uh, seven, five, five kids. I was one of five. I'm a middle child. And my, uh, I have four brothers. And uh, so I, I grew up fighting, <laughs> you know, for my piece of the pie, literally at the table. <laughs> it was it was a crazy right. life, uh, but right. it was a wonderful life too. And um, so, you know, we in Florida, uh, we used to have the most wonderful wildlife. We had so many animals, and we've seen a lot of that change over the course of my lifetime. And uh, so that's very concerning, and uh, very concerned about a lot of the issues that are happening, both on a federal level and a state level and local. So that's why I'm standing up to run. Uh, I want to make a difference and I want to see change come to Tallahassee. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And, and we're so, we're so happy to have you and somebody who's been a, uh, you know, long time resident, you know, in the area. So you really know what's going on um, and have seen it changed over the years and can to speak to some of those changes. So I certainly appreciate that. Um, even though there's a lot of room for a lot of different types of candidates, it's it's nice when somebody who's has had the commitment that you have steps up to run. So we certainly appreciate that. But um, tell us a little bit about the the district that you're running in. So it's it's Central Florida, like South Central Florida, right? What's what what's going on there that that people should know about? First, let me say Henry County is a great place to live and raise a family. We have a beautiful river. We have gorgeous oak trees that line it. We have wonderful wild places and lots of wild animals, but they can always use improvements. And one of those areas we could improve is in our public school systems, where although we have really dedicated teachers, we do have gaps in coverage and we have need of more qualified teachers to fill those gaps. And part of the reason we're understaffed is because we uh, don't have the affordable housing that new teachers need in order to live in an area. You know, when they're right out of college, they don't have the money to buy or to, to get a place. So in order to retain those teachers, we need to provide them the housing. And uh, additionally to that, we need to give them more money so that, uh, you know, we compete with area uh, other areas for teachers. So we need to pay them fully. We are having trouble here, obviously, with COVID. COVID's a big issue. Uh, there's been an uptick in uh, cases. And I think um, that's, you know, moving forward on the COVID issue. We need to do better testing. We need more rapid testing. We need uh, better contact tracing. And we need to start following the guidelines that the CDC laid out, which we're not. Uh, uh, the farming, so the water quality issues. In yeah, okay. before we move on to the, to the water quality, I have a question about health, you know, because I actually really love talking about Hendry County cause I've done a, quite a bit of work there. So I, um, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like my favorite rural community, rural County in, in Florida. Um, yeah. so one of the things that came out through some of the research that I had done in helping the community, um, align, some of their goals in a community-driven economic development plan was that there is actually um, not a heck of a lot of um, healthcare resources across the county. And so I'm wondering, yeah. as we're seeing an uptick in the county, where are people going? Are they going either to the east or west coast to, for treatment? Or, you know, how is that happening in mm -hmm. Henry County? Um, Henry County has a small hospital in Clewiston, very small, but I don't believe they're handling uh, a lot of COVID cases. Most people uh, in Henry County are going inland to Lee County or to West Palm Beach. Uh, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll go to one or the other. Um, Henry County has no birthing center. No babies are born in Henry County, not one. Unless you're born with the help of a midwife or a doca, 
Uh, so we, mm-hmm. we do need a, a hospital that could manage uh, the load of this county. And we're waiting on the demographics. So to get a hospital, you need about 45,000 people living in your community, uh, in mm-hmm. your county. And we, we didn't have that at the last census. We had about 43 so we're very okay. close and we're hoping when this new census comes through that that will bring in the numbers that we can then get uh, a full-fledged hospital with the birthing center. Um, as far as COVID patients, you do have to travel and that makes that more difficult uh, to get quality health care, not just for COVID, but for heart attack and, okay. and other general yeah. uh, health issues that come up on a day-to-day basis. Well, you, you just said something really important, too. I want to pick up Do the census. Everybody do the census. If you haven't filled it out yet, um, there's still an opportunity. Um, you know, there should be a code that got sent to you. And I know here's another thing that I did, Laura, and I'm not even sure if you know this part, but I was actually um, did a bit of uh, research around the county, too, to see um how many places had appropriate mailboxes in relation to the county's, um, you know, residential guide for the census, because, because it went uh, to people's house um, with the code instead of like the paper, how it had been in years past. And we had some pretty interesting um, pictures that the group of researchers I was working with took around Hendry County, where we were questioning whether or not mail would even be delivered there, you know, like out in Hooker's Point and Clewiston, where people, it's like there's one mailbox for the entire like trailer park community, right? Um, and it's, it becomes a challenge for that. But we really, really, really absolutely need people to, uh, to do the census. And it sounds like that's something, yeah. especially in Hendry County, being one of those harder to count regions right. really, really needs people to yeah. do. Yeah, and mail, a lot of people in this area choose to have a P.O. box uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to a mailbox in front of their home because it's rural. And uh, I myself have a P.O. box, but I also have a mailbox in front of my home. When we do mailings for the Democratic Women's Club, trying to get people to register to vote by mail, we have seen a, a large amount of uh, mail come back. Like out yeah. of a 500 mailing, we saw about 60 come back that were for undeliverable because of no pe- mo- uh, mailbox. So hmm. um, in some of those cases, they just don't have the money to put a new mailbox in. In other yeah. cases, they... Um, they have a PO box, but I know in area, some of the areas where there is uh, a lot of uh, mobile homes that are linked together. Mm-hmm. So, yep. and that's where my research, what's what we were looking for. We were mapping transnational communities around Hendry County. And so we were oh, trying yeah. to find and- where people might be living and we were kind of saying, Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. while we're here, let's check out the mailboxes in relation to the census kind of thing. So uh, it was fascinating. And the census and we'll is, have a conversation about yeah. that someday too. And it's very different. Henry County is obviously very different from, uh, you know, Collier County, which is an affluent area. And uh, the majority of the voters between Henry and Collier are going to be in, in Collier. So in my hmm. district, I have about 100,000 voters that are coming out of Collier and then uh, a lot less coming out of Henry. Um, So uh, 100,000 and Henry would have about the 43. So that's how we get to the magical 150 number for a district. So uh, for the state rep. So so I don't know that Henry County is always um, getting the credit that, or the needs that it has um, addressed uh, over the ones of Collier. So they have a little bit more pull that way. Yeah. That happens so sometimes. what else? But I know that you're going to champion <laughs> them because that's where your home yes. is. And I really hope that because that's one well, of the ways that I got involved with Hendry County is because it, yeah. the, the work of people advocating for them because it was rural and not as populated yeah. and, um, yeah. It just, you know, I, I like a really special place in my heart because I've done a lot of work with folks out there just listening to what they want and need. Um, and I know that they yeah. need a, a champion and voice like everybody else and a, like a lot of rural communities around the, uh, the country. So, Yeah. 
One of the areas that we are suffering right now in terms of health care also is mental health care. Uh, it was last year where we lost our mental health uh, facility. They just pulled out. And so that left the people kind of a void. And uh, since then, I believe there has been some new, a new group move in. But uh, obviously, the mental health care across the state needs help. So one thing I'm looking to help with when I get to Tallahassee is focus on trying to help those mental health uh, centers be reestablished and to be funded properly so that we can get people healed healthier. Absolutely. That's, that's a, that's a very important point. And I just want to loop back to give you the opportunity to speak because I, I know I jumped in on the healthcare question, but I think you were starting to tell <laughs> well, us a little bit about the ag uh, agriculture in your oh. area as well. Yeah, so agriculture is a very important component of Henry County. It's the largest uh, economic, uh, you know, money-producing base. So we produce millions of pounds of food per day and even Immokalee and um, all throughout Henry County. We also have... uh, you know, large, larger operations, as well as mom and pop, you know, small operations in farming. So there's an, a lot of opportunity in farming. Uh, and, and the farming here is, is very important on not only to Florida's economy, but also to the economy across uh, the U.S. Because during those winter months, when the rest of the country is not producing, we are producing the food that is required to feed. Um, millions of people. And so I think it's important that, that we keep farming viable because we need it. I mean, we, we noticed when COVID, when the shelves started emptying out, we were concerned. And um, so we have to keep it viable. And then on the other part of that equation, you've got uh, the environment itself, you know, the need for protecting wildlife and the need for protecting endangered species and keeping our water clean. And farming has been one of the uh, major polluters in the area. So how do we balance, you know, those, those two things? And then the third part of that equation is when you add in growth. And uh, Florida is growing, and there will be need for more housing. And there's an, uh, there's, we're transforming a lot of major farmlands now into developments, And uh, so all these three components are stretching our resources in the area, resources of water, resources of land. And uh, these are not finite. Um, You know, they're not, they're finite. They're, they're not, you know, we can't get more. So I I think, you know, in terms of, yeah. So it's a very complicated question and it's a very complicated (laughs) problem (laughs) to say the least. So, you know, I, I think we need to bring everybody together so that we can, you know, sit down and discuss these things and come up with real concrete solutions. And I think recently our state has kind of turned away from the scientists and, and mm-hmm. research-driven um, legislation that would help Florida. And so I want us to get back mm-hmm. to that. I, I want us to protect uh, those wild places so that we can protect those as species that need to protecting. And I want us still to be able to produce the food we need, to keep, but to do it cleaner. And so in farming specifically, I think we're going to have to be looking at some changes. Uh, uh, farming already is a very uh, scientifically based uh, industry. Um, science uh, is very utilized in everyday farming and about every 10 years we're seeing new science come out that changes farming and how it's done and uh we'll probably need to to continue that but i like to see some more sustainable energy brought into farming use less fossil fuels in a farming process Um, we can um, increase yield uh, by better practices and uh you know, all these different issues to help, to help that in terms of uh, development and growth, we need to start looking at a smaller footprint of land because we don't want to lose this major farmland that we need for, for growing land, uh, for growing food. Um, And so we need to have more people on less uh, land as, as we grow. And uh, 
in terms of the environment, we need to continue to to purchase and to set aside conservation lands and to protect uh, those species that need to move in and out of these conservation lands so that they can survive. Mm -hmm. So it's going to need, it's going to be a big, uh, and we need to get back to the plan that was, you know, originally put in place. Mm -hmm. So that's my take on it. Yeah. I love that. Uh, uh, It's like I said, it's an extremely complicated uh, situation. And as far as the water, I mean, we need to hold the, 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 the people that have polluted the water, we need to hold them accountable um, for that. Absolutely. And um, we need to, the blue green algae that came down the Caloosahatchee river in 2018 was in my backyard and it was dangerous and uh, it caused illness among people, asthma problems and then hit this ocean. And now we have the red tide and we're dead fish everywhere. I mean, it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. uh, there's so much that we can do, uh, but we do need to get the phosphorus out. We do need to send the water south of Lake Okeechobee so that we can save the river of gla- grass. And we need to do all that and bring everybody at the table. And, and we need to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and water is a big issue for me. It's, you know, when I, do my introduction. It's our, our water, our health and our community. And so I'm right there with you with um, needing to understand the complexity of the situation, needing to balance yeah. the the need for agriculture and for food production and for business and livelihood um, to, you know, have them be a component of it, but also again, holding companies accountable mm-hmm. when they are polluting and that's something that Rick Scott um, administration in particular was just completely awful at. Didn't there was you know a significant drop in the number of uh, prosecutions um, and you know regulation violations during his administration because they just absolutely let them go hog wild and didn't hold anybody accountable. And uh, so we need strong leadership on that, um, and we need people in the well, house like you who are going to hold. <laughs> our other state politicians accountable on these kind of things. And the other component of it that I love that you said, that's really important and near and dear to me is making sure that our policies are research-based, are science-based, are evidence-based, because that's another thing. That's a real main key uh, theme of my campaign as an evaluator, as somebody who um, wants to make data informed decisions it's something that I'm going to bring to the table. Every piece of legislation I put forth is going to have those components, have the basis in fact, in reality. Um, and then yeah. have us be able to measure the outcomes of it. That's really important to me. And I love that you said that because we, we need more people who are doing that. I feel like we have a lot of yeah. people who have been elected. They've been bought and sold by private uh, interests and companies. Um, they don't really care about these issues. They care about themselves, their power, their, uh, you know, exalted mm-hmm. position. And they just have financiers coming in, filling their coffers, and then they're doing whatever they mm-hmm. want. And that's how you, you have polluters run amok. It's how you have terrible policy because it's based on, you know, some kind of fringe yeah. ideology instead of actual, you know, science and research based, <laughs> right? And uh, yes, an example of that would be in 2018, when they put forth proposals to send dirty water back into our groundwater. And, and just, you know, if we shove it back into the, to the ground, it'll just disappear. Won't it? Well, they forget that all of Florida, almost all of Florida are on wells. You know, we're getting out here in the rural County, we're getting our water off of wells. You know, we don't have city water treatments. Um, And, and so that's a policy that was really, you know, not grounded in science at all. And thank God it didn't pass, you know, but, uh, mm. you know, we also need to look at fracking in Florida. Fracking affects mm. groundwater and there should be a complete ban on it. But as of yet, there hasn't uh, been able to reach a consensus in the state to, in the state um, level to bring forth a ban on fracking. But, you know, hopefully if we can get some new people into office, that'll be a quick and easy done deal. Um, yeah. We can stop. Some we can ban fracking in Florida. Right? 
and and it will it'll be the end of that uh, you know question on the table instead of all these years of the fracking issue continuing to come up you know every single legislative yep. session and, and it's a fight you know that we need to stop talking about and start doing something about and in order to get more done on that issue we need to get more people like-minded like you and I into office. Yep, absolutely. And coordinate all the way down the chain. That's, that's a big, um, that's a big thing for me. You know, I'm running for federal office. And so there's, there's a role that our national government has in terms of helping to support what the states want and, and need. And, um, you know, also, we, you know, as representative, we serve our constituents, that's supposed to be our role. So I'm very fundamentally committed to making sure that I'm connecting with people in our district to um, help that improve their quality of life. And, um, but that means also coordinating with our other officials on the various levels, because we need to have a coordinated strategy in order to get things done. We need federal funding for certain things. We need um, local action to make the vision of what somebody may want in federal policy happen. And um, I think that, that you have to build these coalitions and work together with people to find that common ground in order to make it um, accomplished. So I really appreciate someone like you running for office yeah. being this champion of science and water well, thank you and uh, be, that we can you know we can continue to fight for uh, the state of Florida and the people who live here and the animals and the wildlife too because without that kind of coordinated strategy and connections yeah. around what's really important it does allow for these big interests and these politicians who are out for themselves to, to take advantage and sell us out like we've been seeing so yeah well one of but the issues that I think let's talk really... a little bit about Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to talk about climate okay, I was going to stabilization. Ask you question, but sounds I mean, like you have an issue. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that. No, well, <laughs> well, I just, I just think you know, we we need to be doing more in Florida to uh, counteract uh, climate change. Um, it is mm-hmm. happening, uh, whether you believe it or not, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Florida is at huge risk here of sea level rise and. Um, you know, losing, losing Florida altogether. So uh, I think it's, it's a huge major issue and, and we need to be looking into the future and, and how fast can we get ourselves off of fossil fuels and back into uh, a, a clean energy grid. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's so important that we do this, especially in Florida. And in terms of mm-hmm. farming, we have seen, uh, y- lower yields happening and the farming because of global warming. So, I mean, it's mm. across the board, it's affecting everything. And, um, you know, there's so much we could do in Florida that's not being done. And it is those, uh, lobbyists that are lobbying for what they want. And, um, instead of looking at the bigger picture, we need to get back into the business of working for the people. And, um, yep. So if you if you had I could love to talk more about climate change. Um, You know, I have a vision for Florida, which includes, you know, more solar panels on every home and uh, new codes, uh, building codes that would include uh, solar collection and battery uh, battery pack storage. Um, But those things aren't happening because we have been keeping them from happening through uh, by the regulations that are put in place for putting solar panels on the roof. So um, right now there's the Florida Public Service Commission and they regulate how the electric companies bring, you know, are able to agree to have um, metered rates, buyback rates. Mm-hmm. And right now if you put a solar panel on your roof, you you will get pennies on the dollar for what that electricity cost you if you were to buy it. So right now you're paying about 11 point something, a little under 12 cents per kilowatt hour. But if, if you put solar panels on your roof, you could reduce that theoretically to zero and have additional electricity that you could put back on the grid. 
Well, what you put back on the grid, the Florida Power and Light and other uh, electric companies, not even all of them accept what you put back on the grid. They, they do a policy called, that they call as available energy. And so they'll take, they'll pay for what they use, but they'll only pay you two and a half cents of what you have to pay almost 12 mm. cents for. So there's a big disparity. In addition mm. to that, if you, if they'll only allow you to build a grid, that's only 115% of what supposedly your house will, will use. Well, what if you want to get an electric car? That's going to use more electricity. What if you want mm. to generate more electricity because your daughter wants to get an electric car or, um, and, and so that you can power your electricity through the sun and they, mm -hmm. they limit you. And so they put restrictions on it. And basically the utility companies are managing that on their own without any authority to, you know, mm -hmm. give you the permit to put it on your house or whatever. And it's keeping people from reaching that economic break point where they can, um, have the system have paid for itself. It puts it further and further down the road. And so a lot of companies and a lot of individuals are choosing not to go to it because it costs so much to put in. So we could do more solar incentives. We could bring back the, the solar incentives that Obama put in place. And uh, mm -hmm. we could see the state um, need for fossil fuels decrease. We could also put in more uh, charging stations on our major highways. You know, you could put in a charging station at a uh, rest stop and have it powered by solar panels and let cars stop there and, and charge their car while they, they take a, um, a rest and, and have a lunch and, uh, you know, walk their dog. And uh, within a half hour or so, they could generate enough power on their battery to move forward, you know. And so that we can have more and more electric cars on our state. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's the way the future is going. We, we are moving towards automated cars that drive themselves and electric power vehicles. And the combustion engine is on its way out. So um, we, we need to be creating the grid that will support that um, type of vehicle in the state. And that, I think... Um, there's mm -hmm. there's many ways that we can help in, in Florida, but those are two. And solar power is getting cheaper and cheaper to produce. And um, it's getting to mm -hmm. the point that it's going to be no longer feasible to use uh, dirty energy. So I was reading a study mm -hmm. just this morning that, you know, we may be looking at within 30 years, you know, the combustion engine, there'll be no more. So huh. uh, wow. it's... Uh, for the personal vehicle, for personal vehicles. Mm -hmm. So, so we need to create the infrastructure. Absolutely. Absolutely we do. And I think that you bring up some important points, too, around the regulation components and, and who the regulations are for and aren't for. So it seems like, you know, the, mm -hmm. the limiting the amount of, uh, you know, energy capacity that the solar panels can have on a house uh, because it benefits, you know, that regulation benefits the electric companies, right? So it keeps them absolutely in business doing keeps what them, they need. So yeah, that kind of regulation keeps them is good, according to right. It keeps <laughs> them in power, but it's so funny they just, get you know, a monopoly. Yeah, they do. But Republicans who like it's a hate regulations, right? But they only hate regulations when it constrains business. Right. Or, you know, well, they, they could they look at it differently it, when they when they, well, they could. Yeah. When it helps them. <laughs> right. When it helps mm -hmm. them. Exactly. In addition to that, they on some larger units, they require the homeowner to put in a, a, an insurance policy on it. And that could be up to a million dollar insurance policy on the system, which, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how they get the authority to to. Uh, mandate that, but that leaves even more people off the, um, you know, it, it takes the incentive away for people to go solar and to use it as a supplement and uh, it needs to stop. So we need to get, we, we need to look it. at that. <laughs> and maybe the Florida public service commission needs to be, you know, needs to be rethought mm -hmm. 
um, there needs to be a new way of uh, putting people on that instead of having them appointed right now. It's the way it is. So we could oh, take we that a, away from, I think it's they're appointed out of committee. Right? Huh? Oh. I said, we have a few of these, you know, incredibly important governing boards in Florida that are, are oh, yeah. governor appointee, the board of governors for the, the, the higher education <laughs> system here, the, the water yeah. management districts. Right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, uh, there's more, but you know, it's just, I don't think we're not always very well in touch with how powerful some of these appointment appointees are in regulating right. components that are yeah. really important in our life. Um, and so we need to think about, yeah. you know, influence to, of the governor. Right. And, you know, that all comes down to money and politics. And if we can get that out, get the money out of politics, then we could get people on these boards that are actually interested in and in helping people not interested in the money um, and not influenced by others. So, mm-hmm. It's it's Absolutely. so complicated and yet it seems so easy when you step back. You know, we have to start somewhere. Um, right, you have to start somewhere. And I will say that, you know, yeah. one thing that I think is important uh, to us to recognize, right, is that, yes, these are complicated systems. Sometimes they're purposefully complicated to write, like make it look like there's this independent oversight when there's really not when it is very much, you know, controlled by the governor and the, the party of the governor. Um, but I think that there's an important yeah. recognition. And special interests. Mm-hmm. Go um, ahead. But it's important to recognize that there's, that, that there are, there is complexity within systems. This is just like my own. Over the past, you know, several United States, as we've been moving towards this, hyper simplification of of issues of that are very complex because people have yeah. you know they 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 lost their tolerance for complexity they really just wanted things to be simple and easy this is where you see this whole nostalgia for the past and i mean this is where i think the whole you know make america great again all this kind of stuff came from this this idea is that modern life is so complicated Global systems are so complicated that it's overwhelming to some people. So they want to revert back to this time where they felt like things were simple and straightforward. Um, And, you know, I think that, you know, us as politicians and us as leaders and officials, what we have to do is recognize the complexity, right, of situations, take Mm -hmm. in consideration those multiple perspectives, those multiple uh, issues when we're addressing something, but then help to message yep. it out to people that they can get it. And it's not overwhelmingly complicated. Working on too in yeah. my campaign, right, is, you know, trying to demonstrate that, yes, I have this understanding of the complexities of it, but let me help you understand it, um, you know, so that you can... Cindy, are you? Can you hear me, Cindy? I can hear you. Can you hear me, Cindy? Okay. Well, you were kind of. I didn't hear that last question. The I might lost go you. Up. I got another phone call. Oh. Uh, no, I was just hello. saying. The comp- can you still hear me, <laughs> Laura? No, you're kind of breaking in and out. Yeah, I can hear you. I think. Are we back now? Yeah, we're back. Yay. Okay. Good. Sorry about that. <laughs> It's about to rain here. Right. That's when my internet goes wonky. Um, but <laughs> the um, I was just saying the complexity is like a you know, fortunate position yeah. where we can help help people understand uh, the complex nature of it um, and mess that so we can we can address these issues even though they are complex because um, yeah. what we learn too from philanthropy and from nonprofit land is that um, people when they think things are too complex, they, like you said, they don't know where to start. And if two problems are too overwhelming, they, and so I think that we need to kind of balance the complexities of it with open solutions 
to address that. Yeah. And I, you know, so that's why I love, yeah. you know, you're talking about the solar panels because that's exactly where we start with, with things like that. You know, we can't address, you know, it's taking, taking bites out of the elephant, right? It's, you can't address the whole thing in yeah. one field. So, but we can take these, you know, parts and make progress. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to get there. So, um, I do have a lot of hope for our uh, society and for uh, Florida. Um, I, I, I know we can make the changes that we need. Um, uh, one of the things I didn't mention uh, under the medical issue is that very quickly, uh, if we can change Tallahassee, we could expand Medicaid here in Florida and we, you know, would provide additional medical uh, health insurance to an extra hundred, uh, 800,000 people who are marginalized and um, don't qualify for Medicaid and yet don't have the money to buy private insurance. And that would go a long way with an immediate effect. Um, the, the state, uh, there was a group working on putting Medicaid expansion on the November ballot this fall uh, with a petition using the citizens initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but our, you know, new state uh, governor went so far as to change the rules of citizens mm-hmm. initiatives so that they became out of reach and it was more difficult oh. to, meet the quota for petition numbers signed and also uh, the types of people that could work on getting petitions signed was changed. And, and it's uh, one of the reasons I'm running is because I'm seeing so many avenues that we used to have that the people used to get things done in Florida. And this was one of them, the citizens initiative. And that's been pretty much taken away. And um, it's, by the the regulations that are making it more difficult, then there's the, the right to vote in Florida. It's being taken away mm-hmm. from members of Florida through gerrymandering, through uh, making the felons have to pay in order to get back on able to vote, um, passing laws that that kept felons from voting in the first place. Um, and, okay. and these paths that gave people power are being pulled away. And so we need to get back to governing for the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why we all need to get out and vote. We all need to rise up and start, you know, get in this fight because we are fighting now for our survival. And I have hope that we'll, we're going to win. Mm-hmm. We're going to get through to the end of this and fl- we're going to be back on top. Um, because it wasn't always uh, a state run by politicians who cared uh, for what big business wanted and, and what special interests wanted. There was a time when we, we had a good government that was doing things for the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can get back there, Cindy. We can. So, yes, we, we can. can. You're, getting me, you're getting me fired up. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, uh, we can. Let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Let's yeah. get out there. Yeah, yeah I'm let's looking get out forward there. to it. I think it's, yeah, it's so important. It's so, so important that yeah. we have this inspiration. Because I think this is, you know, this is where I, um, you know, you know, I, I feel the same way about, you know, working for the people like you do. Um, and I know that I, you know, it's, there's been so many things that have happened in the way, uh, in the, in Florida around voter suppression, you know, taking away, um, yeah. the polling locations, limiting the early voting hours. Um, luckily, we have uh, vote by mail here that's widespread and easy to use. So absolutely, everybody get your vote by mail. <laughs> Just get it. Um, yeah. and because you can still, um, if you choose to go to the polling location on voting day, you can turn in your ballot that day. So, you, you know, you can still have that option if you yeah. wanted to. Um, but, you know, definitely get it because we have no idea how much more COVID is going to surge. I, you know, I'm extremely worried about that because yeah. it, it seems like it's completely out of control and we're looking at hospital overloads Absolutely. as well. So um, get that. Absolutely. Vote by I, was, but- I was. Yeah. And, you know, another way that they suppress the vote in Florida is that they they leave 
uh, areas that are where their constituents or, or where, where people that are going to vote for them live, uh, they, mm-hmm. they make the, the process to vote so easy. You walk in, there's, you know, 20 machines and two people are at, at the machines. It's, mm-hmm. it's very fast. There's no line, no waiting. But in other mm-hmm. communities of marginalized communities where they don't want to get their vote in, they make it difficult. They put in machines mm-hmm. that break. They put in uh, fewer machines. They close polling sooner. And, and mm-hmm. on those days, people stand and wait in line for hours and hours to vote. That's true for in Golden Gate City in Collier County mm-hmm. because I've voted there before. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, across. And so we, we have to start taking back our country mm-hmm. and we have to start taking back our right to vote. Mm-hmm. And um, what DeSantis is doing right now, uh, keeping the felons from voting by going ahead and, um, you know, contesting what was already uh, a ruling from mm-hmm. the judges is uh, it's just another way of suppressing the vote. And, and whether or not the felons at this point, you know, ex-felons will be able to vote come this November is in question. Um and, and so, you know, I am hopeful that uh, we will continue to register people to vote. Um, another way they do it is they purge the voting records. So people don't even know if they're – you have to go and check. If you haven't check voted in a number of years, check your voting record, go in and uh, re-register. It doesn't, you can re-register for free. Uh, doesn't mm-hmm. cost anything. And and that, in a sense, will get your signature up to date as well. And mm-hmm. check your address. If you lived, you're voting uh, from a different address than what's on your driver's license, they're not going to let you vote. So mm-hmm. you need to make sure they match. Um, yep. You need to make sure if you're voting by mail that your signature is up to date. Mm-hmm. And and so that it hasn't changed over the last 10 years. Maybe now you've developed a tremor in your hand and you, you shake a little. That will change your, mm-hmm. your signature. Maybe your last name has changed. You got married and you're, you're, you're different. So you need to, to, to get all that in ready because there will come a time where you can no longer fix it. You, uh, they will. There's yep. a deadline. I think it's in September, right? Mid-September Well, for the sometime. primary... For the primary on August 18th, it's July 20th. And I absolutely encourage everybody to check their voter registration soon and make sure it's up to date by July 20th. Uh, First of all, because you need to register as a Democrat and vote for me if you're in Florida District 19. (laughs) Also, also there are nonpartisan races that are in the primary on uh, on that ballot. If you're not uh, registered with the party, um, you can vote in those races like uh, Cape Coral City Council is one of them, for example. Um, they're nonpartisan races. So mm-hmm. you have to be registered to vote to do that. So you have to register by July 20th to, to do that for the August 18th. It's really important, right. too, um, because some of those those um, primaries, uh, you know, especially if they're, you know, well, if they're uncontested, uh, well, now everything's contested. That used to be a thing where we used to just let the Republicans run rampant, right? <laughs> Where it was like whoever won fifty well, percent. Well, not this time. Not this year. Not this time. <laughs> no. Not this year. Absolutely. Nope. We're gonna spice but, um, it up. We are. We're gonna do it. So, but you know, it's still important <laughs> to vote every and get that vote by mail just in case uh, by July twentieth, and also vote yeah. for me. But but make sure you're voting for right. for for Laura in the general election, and uh, we'll double check on those dates. But um, yeah, you can. Ex- I- if you do it now, I won't be in the primary. Huh? Right. I won't be on the primary ballot because I don't have a primary opponent, but I will be on the November ballot. So I hope everybody will take some time and get to learn about who I am and what I stand for and, uh, and vote for me in November for sure. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's so many issues. I was trying to think if there's another issue that you want, that yeah, we that's could what talk I was about work that, yeah, we're coming up. And so what you know, we've talked about a lot of uh, really important issues. And I really appreciate your, your knowledge and your enthusiasm for these issues, because um, it's hard to keep track, I will say, because there's so many things that we need to 
um, be aware of in terms of our environment and growth and, you know, balancing these things. And yeah. they've just done it so beautifully. But I was going to say, what is, what's the hook for us? What's the what's hook? What's the hook? So why, you know, <laughs> what is it about Laura Novosad that's going to get the people going? What's, what is it? What's the hook? Tell us. Well, you know, I'm an honest person. I I could tell you a story about when I was younger, uh, when I was in high school, where I uh, was in a class and uh, everybody was cheating. It was an English class. I never did very well in English, actually. And um, it was a book that they were writing on. I didn't read the book. And um, I found that the teacher was not caring. And I started cheating on a test. And I tell you what, I felt so upset about it after I was sitting there and so disgusted with myself that I walked up to the teacher and I gave her my test. And she says, what's this? It's not finished. And I said, no, it's not. But I was cheating and I want you to give me an F. And she um, looked at me and I I remember the other kids in the classroom just went silent. It wasn't a word (laughs) out of anyone. You could hear a pin drop at that moment. And I was in the ninth grade at Coconut Creek High School in, uh, over in the Pompano Beach area. And um, the teacher took the test and she threw it in the garbage and she picked up a new test and she gave it to me. And she said, well, then go back and, and don't cheat. And, and that lesson has stuck with me my whole life. You don't cheat. You don't do it. You don't lie. We're we're sitting here with a government that's lying to us. It's not telling us the mm-hmm. truth. And it's really disconcerting. Mm-hmm. And that's another big reason why I'm standing up, Cindy. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. We need honesty that's and integrity and truth. Such a fantastic story. I really, you know, it really helps to, you know, Give us that idea, that idea of your character around this, because you're right. We need it. We need to be able to trust our government and our officials yes. that they're not giving us bad information. And I'll say this in one second and again: the data. Yes, the data. We're you know being manipulated and the lied data. to about that. It's, it's uh, horrible. It's, it- it's it's been horrible and honestly i think there needs to be on the state level we need to start an investigation uh of what has been transpiring on on the covid-19 uh response and and how the data has been collected and and given to to the public um there should be an investigation so that we can get to the truth and so that we can we can trust our officials um mm-hmm. You know, we don't really know what the truth is. You know, we look at our death rate across the state of Florida, and it seems disproportionate to death rates in other areas. And um, how is that? Uh-huh. You know, is our or is our science on treating COVID patients better than the science in the rest of the world? Or was our response quicker? You know, I would say our response was, you know, slower. We were slower to shut down. Uh We were quicker to reopen. So, Uh you know, we need someone to check, you know, and and to do that type of research. And Cindy, you'd be the one to get one of your students out there and and find what was the death rate uh, last Uh year and in previous years during these months, typical for populations in Florida. And what has it been in um, these months that we've been dealing with COVID and how is that different in terms of percentages? Um, Because we need the truth. And I don't know that we've been completely, our government has been completely truthful with us. No. And and um, in fact, especially on these numbers here in Florida. um, Yeah. And the scandal with the, the woman that did the, the, the database uh, website. And, and her leaving and coming out and saying that, that she was asked to fudge numbers. I mean, we need mm-hmm. to look into this. This is yeah. criminal. It is. Well, that's Dr. Anyway, Rebecca don't get Jones me started. And- don't get me started. Yeah, I, get, no, get, yeah, I know. We're going to have to wrap up. Here, you know, so this is, this is why, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm going to run because I can't yes. sit there any longer and expect 
that I can trust what's happening. So, um, so that's why I'm standing up. And honestly, I hope the people out there are going to stand up with us. You know, I want to see them get out there, talk to your neighbors, get people engaged, find ways to volunteer. We have to make a difference in the state of Florida. And I'm hopeful that we will, because I, I believe I'm not the only person who is sitting, um, with this, you know, I have anger in my heart about all this and it's scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. Move to action. I love that. And, uh, yep. And we can at least be, um, know that Dr. Rebecca Jones has filed the whistleblower complaint, uh, for her dismissal and for her, um, you know, being asked to manipulate the numbers. So hopefully we'll get some investigation, uh, coming out of that. We need to hold, our government accountable because yes, I am tired of like you, Laura, I'm tired of being lied to uh, for political gain. Um, I'm tired right. of, you know, you know, having an unchecked rampant pandemic threatening my family and my community in as yeah. uh, you know, political periphery damage um, for the real. And I know you have economy. a daughter, you know, you, you mm-hmm. have a child who's um, at risk. You know, that must be extremely uh, difficult as a parent to um, Mm -hmm. to have to deal with the way DeSantis has decided that we're all going to get it. So let's just all get it quicker than later. Um, You know, we there's so much we could do. We could be having we could put a mandate out for people to wear masks. This is an airborne illness. We -hmm. can all wear a mask. And how is wearing a mask become a political issue? It's Mm -hmm. not political. It's about science. It's about protecting mm-hmm. our children and protecting our elderly. And um, mm-hmm. it's an easy thing to do. I myself have been making masks uh, for members of uh, my, my husband's packing house when they had uh, when they were under operation all through March and, and um, April. I made masks and, and handed them out to, to the members uh, that were workers there. And we did not have a COVID problem at that plant. Right. So, I mean, okay. there are things that can be done, just a simple thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. we could also, you know, where's our rapid testing? You know, we need rapid testing, which would bring us. So I'm not sure um, yeah. what has happened to the rapid testing that they all talked about, you know, they started with, you know, this great rapid testing and then, you know, they sent out millions and millions of test kits to different states. And then, you know, where's Florida's rapid test kits, mm-hmm. you know, or the test has just proven to be invalid or, you know, it doesn't, you know, produce the results that yeah. they thought, but, uh, right. Just complete and utter failure, complete yeah. and utter failure from so, top to bottom. That's yeah. So, we need to get back to following the CDC guidelines, which mandated that there be lower infection rates on a consistent basis that were near zero, which is the exact terminology from the CDC's guideline. For each stage of reopening, we should be at near zero and a declining number. Mm-hmm. Near zero with 10,000 every day now. 11,445 or whatever we were the peak day. Yeah. DeSantis today was talking on a news, um, which I listened to, his his news conference on COVID. And he says, when we were back in March, we were looking at, we were seeing maybe 3%, he said, of the people they tested were showing positive. Now it's an average of just under 15% as steadily for the last week, which he, he said that those were his words for the last 10 days or so. <laughs> we're at just 15%. Now we're testing more. Sure. But the, the number of people testing positive is 15% mm-hmm. of those tested. I mean, that's, that mm-hmm. means. Community spread is wide. It's wide. It's wide. It's wide. So, you know, I keep trying to urge everybody as I can, wear a mask when you go out, wear a mask if you have to go anywhere, stay home otherwise. Um, 
And it's true. You know, we're seeing a lot more young people have it now than older people because they're the ones who feel, you know, invulnerable like all young people do. Mm -hmm. But there was just a recently Mm -hmm. 11 year old child that died of COVID. So Mm -hmm. that's our first. And uh, Fort Myers, um, Cypress Lake high school student here who was 17. She died too. Yeah. That was couple yeah a couple weeks ago um and that was you know unfortunate too so yeah you know this this is this is not a this is not a game this is not you know it's not um it's it's our lives on the line yep it is our lives and and i'm i was i was horrified when you know rush limbaugh and other pundits uh in the conservatives uh you know talking head sphere said that we should just sacrifice some people for the economy that's you know that's my daughter that they're talking about yeah she deserves a chance at life and she deserves it you know yeah yeah and you know have we just stayed closed uh, you know uh, if we'd have closed sooner and then stayed closed a little bit longer we might have been able to do Mm -hmm. what like michigan has done michigan was third on the list Mm -hmm. in terms of rapid uh covid spread and they shut down Mm -hmm. quickly fastly and they stayed shut down and now Mm -hmm we are the ones that are approaching the top of the list here in Florida and Michigan is far, far below and they're reopening now safely where we're reopening uh, in a very different way. So Mm -hmm. what's up? Hi, Rick. Yes. Yes. Well, I was going to say like, we can probably keep going on and on about this, but let's close out the today's COVID-19 diatribe. Okay. Um, there's going to be a brand new diatribe tomorrow. On it, I'm sure. <laughs> but let us, before we go, Laura, tell us where can we find you and how can we help you? Okay. Well, um, you can find me at novasadforflorida.com. It's my webpage. Um, you can find me at Novasad for Florida on Facebook. Um, you can help me by volunteering to work f- with my campaign or volunteering to donate. Um, I'm a little bit slow. I don't have Act Blue up yet, but I do have DonorBox. So you can go on DonorBox and uh, slash Laura Novasad and I will pop up. I do have links to that on my webpage. And, uh, yeah, you know, we need help. We, we want your help. Um, you can help out by getting more people registered to vote. Uh, you can help out by talking to your neighbors and getting them to understand how desperate it is that we all uh, get out and make our voices heard. Um, yeah. I would like to, you know, I do have a closing I think somewhere I wrote it down. Okay. Do you have it? <laughs> yeah, I do. I think it's here. But um, are you ready to close? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Give it to us. Give it okay. to us. You know, some, you know, folks, there comes a time when you have to take a stand in life. And I can not sit down any longer. I'm now standing up and I'm asking you to stand with me. Join me in this fight because we can do better and we will do it together. So if not me, then who? Let's all get out there and fight for what we need. If not me, then you. Together we can do it. We need new leadership. And I'm asking you to vote me to lead you to a better future here in Florida. So vote for Laura Novosad for State House of Representatives and I'll be honored to represent you. Yay. That was fantastic. Very moving. And yes, that's it. You know, if not me, then who? And I think that's compelling so many of us and it should compel every single person to the ballot box or to their mailbox with the vote by mail. Um, because if you don't vote, you know, somebody else is they're going to be voting for the wrong person (laughs) quite likely. Right. Yeah. So we have to flip it and we're so proud and honored fight and serve the people in, in Florida and Southwest Florida um, because it's time. It's time. We have the real champions of the people get into these positions 
uh, across the Florida and the state legislature, uh, as well as in our congressional seat. And that's what I'm trying to do, too. So thank you so much. Thank you, Cindy, for the opportunity. Laura? Yeah. Uh, Novasad, Novasad for Florida, F-O-R, for Novasad for Florida dot com. And uh, it will pull it up. Should be. Check it out, Cindy. What do you think? Absolutely. Novasad for Florida dot com. Visit, donate, volunteer. Thank you so much, Laura Novasad, for joining us here today. And for everybody else for joining us here at Dr. Cindy Speaks. Have a good day. Talk to you soon. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dr. Cindy Speaks. If you'd like to learn more about her campaign, go to cindybanyay.com or connect with her directly at vote at cindybanyay.com. We love connecting with people. Contents of this podcast are paid for and approved by friends of Sandy Banyay.